And so this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to share something a bit different. It's not going to be a typical teaching or preaching. I feel there's a prophetic word God has given our congregation, and I want to unpack the prophetic word a bit. And so today I'm somewhat bringing, standing as a prophet to the congregation, and I want to unpack this prophetic word. And I think it's, it's, it's wonderful how God sometimes sets up something. Because the thing about the prophecy is God speaking. But if we've got a small view of our God, we won't heed this word properly. Because we would just feel like it's another sermon, another message, another thing. But if we understand this is God speaking, we would heed ourselves and we would respond differently. And it's almost like God has set us up really to take this prophetic word. So, so in a sense, it's, it's probably not going to be the smoothest, well-unpacked thing. It's going to be a bit raw. But I trust that we'd hear God. Normally, before a sermon, I, I pitch it to Lizaldi. And I can like test the waters, you know? <laughs> and if she's like, uh, I'm like, okay, <laughs> Lord, please speak to me. I need to hear you. Um, and then I like pitch it again. It's like, ah, oh, still not there. Lord, Lord, please speak. Um, and then if she's, there's a positive response, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm, <laughs> and she's my, she's my tester before I bring it to the congregation. And as I shared with her what I felt to do, there was a real, it resonated in our heart, so it gave me a lot of courage and confidence to bring this. But I want to take us back to two moments, share one moment and take us back to a moment. So um, the first moment I want to take us back to um, is back in the end of January. Our congregation got together on our grounds where they're building our new building. We are just over three months away from moving into that venue. It is around the corner. It's very close. And... Um, it's a, it's a key moment. As, as, as much as we want to say, let's not just think about that moment. God is beyond, bigger than just a building. It's a significant moment for our congregation. There's already people saying they're coming to visit our congregation the day it opens. So people, they meet people and like, oh, so you guys are building there. We're definitely going to come and check it out. And so people will come to check it out <laughs> and just to check it out. <laughs> And some will actually come because the Lord has added them there. And some will come because they would get saved there. And some would come because they got saved because of our red-hot passion for Jesus. And that's why they're coming. But it is going to be a significant moment for, for our congregation. But we gathered there beginning, end of January, just before they started building. They leveled the ground a bit. And we had a prayer time as a congregation. You can remember that. And, um, oh, sorry, you can put on the slide. There's some photos of that moment. I'm going to speak about a call to build the house of the Lord. I believe this is a prophetic call from the Lord. There's a call to build His house. So that's that moment where we had um, back in January. And just while we were praying there and we were just envisioning this building coming and, and what the possibility is, I felt the Lord tell me that we shouldn't look at what's to come. The building is standing in front of you, the living stones, all of us. And we've got to understand, I want to remind us again that we are the building. We are the house of the Lord. We are the living stones. And when people coming, they're coming to a physical building as well in three months' time, but they will also come into a house. The question is, how does this house look? And in what type of house will they come into when they come? We are the living stones. We are the building. Second moment is our elders were away about a month ago, I think, and we were praying and, and we were just spending some time in the Lord's presence. And um, I didn't have this word. Henry had this word. Um, And the reason why I'm going to emphasize that is I didn't feel this. It's someone else that felt it. But as Henry shared this word, 
there was a sense of the weight of the presence of God was on us. I fell to the ground and started weeping because I felt the Lord speak in that moment. And I know a couple of guys already preached from it. Henry already unpacked it and started to preach from it. But it was a message out of the book of Haggai. And this is what he shared. Um, Haggai chapter 1. It says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel. Is that the right English? Eh? The son of... Shay, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest. I should practice these names beforehand. Eh? This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your full. You put on your clothes, but you are not warm. You earn your wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. And there was a sense that the Lord is saying, it's time to build his house. That we need to prioritize that above everything else. And it was a weighty moment. And I want to unpack this word a bit. Um, later on in the chapter, it says that the, the, the church, the group, the people, the Israelites, their hearts were stirred. And I'm trusting that our hearts would be stirred this afternoon. That's what I'm trusting for, is that our hearts would be stirred. So why is this word significant? Well, firstly, because there was a sense that God spoke at that time at our elders' meeting. I think the elders can witness. There was a sense God spoke. Secondly, I feel there's some similarities to this. We're building a building, <laughs> ours. So just in the physical, something of that is taking place. And just like the Israelites here, they were coming out of exile. Exile was a time where they didn't serve God. They were disobedient. And God sent other nations to strip down Jerusalem, to plant, to bring it to the ground, and take the Israelites, God's nation, and put them in captivity where they lived for 70-odd years. So they were just coming out of the exile where they had restrictions, where they couldn't serve God the way they wanted to. Sounds familiar? And I think in a sense we came out of a time of exile where we were confined to certain limitations and restrictions, and we couldn't serve God freely. And we had to yield to a system of this world just like them. So what happened, they were in exile. They felt a call to go build the temple and rebuild the altar in the temple of God. And the group went with Zerubbabel. And the group went and they went to go rebuild the temple of God. So you've got to understand that these guys left their friends, their houses, what they knew for 70 odd years. They left all of that to go to a place where the land wasn't cultivated or worked for 70 odd years, place of ruins, to go rebuild their lives. They had to leave that. So that's, that's the people that went on fire, passionate, left everything behind to go build. So they started building. And while they were building and making some progress, some people moaned about them, and King Darius pulled back their resources, their subsidies. subsidies. Pulled all of that back, and they started getting discouraged and many times I think Satan comes and 
place of spiritual high, Satan comes and he tempts us. And so now suddenly they don't, they don't have resources. They're still busy trying to farm their own lands. And then there's a drought and then there's no food and the building stops. Because they try to just take care of themselves and they started neglecting the house of the Lord. And while they neglected the house of the Lord, Haggai, this prophet comes and he speaks to them and he says, look, you've forgotten about why you came. And the reason why you're suffering, why you don't have food, why you're struggling is because you've neglected the very reason I've called you. You started to disobey. You started to drift. And you've neglected it. They use this excuse. Maybe it's not the time. They were probably wondering why they were not having food. They're planting and nothing's coming up. They're like, why, Lord, we obeyed you. Why, why, why? Maybe we came the wrong time. Maybe we missed it. Maybe we were too passionate about, you know. Maybe God spoke and we were trigger happy and we missed it. That's why. So the time probably has not yet come. But the issue was actually the time was there. They lost heart and they lost focus because of their situation and their circumstances. Because of the huge recession and drought, they stopped. And Haggai ministers to them. Haggai speaks to them. And he says, now it's the time to leave your paneled houses. The issue was with their houses. They had to go and move and build new houses when they left Babylon. So the issue wasn't that they built the houses. The scripture speaks here that they put panels on. So apparently in Babylon, I've never lived there, so I won't know, but apparently, according to the scholars, the houses in Babylon had all these nice wooden panels on it to adorn the house. So they went to go build basic houses for them to live because their main priority was to build the house of the Lord. And then they started losing focus. And then they wanted to adorn their houses and go back to where they were. And that was a real issue as they started to focus on their own welfare and they wanted what they had in the past. They wanted to have that again. What does adorn mean? Um, if, you, if you live in Khating, some of these ladies, they, they have all these jewelry and earrings and um, that's adorn, eh? Fashir. <laughs> adorn is to beautify, to, to be extravagant, to add luxury. Um, and the issue was that it wasn't a time for them to add luxury. They had to focus on the house of the Lord. So the issue wasn't looking after the house or building the house. The issue was that they started focusing on luxuries and unnecessary things, and then neglected the house of the Lord. And our challenge is, as we've come out of this sense of Babylon, the sense of exile with COVID, and we've come out of it, we are facing some struggles. Some of us have lost income. Some of us are just, life is tough. And our challenge is that we can start focusing on our own lives and neglect this house that the Lord has added us. Neglect giving ourselves and just focusing on our own welfare. The demand at the moment on our welfare, our lives, is, is extravagant. And the danger is that we can fall into that pitfall. I've noticed that, I mean, the world is full of take good care of yourself and, and um, it's, it's, make sure it's your truth, your truth, your life. And, there's, and some of these things aren't wrong. But with the overriding focus and with all these voices, we can miss his voice, the voice of the shepherd through it all. And I believe God is calling us again to listen to his voice, his call. So I want to, this is the history, this is the background. So now I want to 
just unpack four things that I feel is key to this prophetic word. The first one is that there's a call from God. And I want to put our attention to that. There's a call from God for us. As there was a call for them, there's a call for us. Now, the thing about a call is it needs to be answered. You know, sometimes you go to a meeting and you tell the people, look, I'm expecting a call, an important call, so I might interrupt this meeting just to take this call. Anyone ever done that? Our life should be that. I'm living here. I'm going to take care of my family and I'm going to do, I'm going to be faithful with my work. But work, family life, if I get a call, (laughs) I'm going to interrupt this so that I can respond to your call. And I'm going to give myself to that. And so there's a call from God. And this was, this should be our posture. The living God speaks. Everything quickly needs to stop. I'm expecting an important call. And I'm going to answer that. And my question to us is, are we in that space where everything else will stop and we will heed his call? I've got a rule. If Lizaldi calls, I'll stop the meeting. If anyone else calls, I'll carry on with the meeting. I'll ignore that. But if she calls... I'll quickly stop because there might be something important there. So her call is important to me. When we started this rule, it was still early days, and I don't think she understood the, the gravitas of that. And we started it when we had a baby. Leah was born, and I think it was my first week out of the house after paternity leave. In a meeting at the Bible school and church in Wellington, I tell her, look, I'm three, four minutes away. So if I get a call, I stop everything, I'll give a contention to your call. So I get a call from her. I tell everyone, stop, I just quickly need to run out. You know, it's like my wife and our two-week-old baby, she just phoned, so I'm prioritizing that. I answer the call, and it's like, Kevin, 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 no come. You've got to come now. I'm like, oh, got it, okay. Put the phone down, I'm like, I'm coming. I put the phone down, I drive, I get there. She's like, so I'm thinking as I'm driving, what happened to our son, you know? I get there and I was like, she's in a panic. He's like, the fridge. I'm like, the fridge. I get there, there's two of these spiders <laughs> on the fridge. I'm like, okay. <laughs> a crisis, I get that. <laughs> but that's not what I meant. So I climbed on the phone and I phoned someone else. Please come, please come. <laughs> I was in a panic when I saw that. Just to be honest. But there's a call, and we need to heed immediately. And God's calling us. And the question is, each of us need to reflect and say, what does that word mean? Because this is a word for this house. Are you giving attention to your life more than you're giving to Jesus and his house? And if that is the case, everything needs to stop, and I need to adjust. Is it wrong to give attention to your house? Renovate. Go to a sport match of your child. Give money into something else. Is that a sin? Is it wrong? No. Is it a sin to go to a sports match and not come to a Sunday meeting? No, it's not a sin. Sometimes it's okay to do that. But there are times that it's not okay. And we need to be able to discern when it's not okay and respond to him. That's what it practically means. It practically means this term ahead and this journey ahead. We need to consider our ways. Just like in the scripture, it said, consider your ways. There are times that we would need to consider our ways. Because where it was okay for the last two years, it might not be okay for the living God in the next while. This is not about me, it's about the living God. Because I'm not getting performance bonus if you at a Sunday meeting. I'm not giving a performance bonus if you give yourself to something that the church is calling. I'm not getting incentives 
Is it incentives, eh? If you're coming to the conference, I'm not getting any of that. But I want you to obey Him. Because if you obey Him, you would prosper. Grace would abound. This is what I'm on about this, this afternoon. It's Him. We need to obey Him above all. And there's times where things would be okay, and there's times that not. And we need to discern, Lord, am I missing the mark if I would do this thing now? Am I missing the mark if I'd rather do that and not attend the conference? And if I am, I need to respond to a living God. It says that they were filled with fear later on. We'll get to that. Um, where's the PowerPoint? Thanks, John. It's, you always serve so faithfully there at the back. I really do appreciate it, eh? Um, give careful thought to your ways. Bring down the timber and build my house. We need a, this, y- y- this term, give careful thought. I really believe, I felt that the Lord told me that some of us here, I'm not going to rush this. I'm just going to, if that's okay. I'm going to share this and not rush it. Hopefully I can be done by two, but I'm not going to rush this. Um, I felt the Lord said that some of us here have started to neglect his house and focus more on our paneled houses. Some of us have, and we need to repent today. Majority of us are not there, but all of us will be tempted this term to rather give attention to other things than to his house. It's not wrong to build a house. It's not, it wasn't wrong for them to build the house, but it was the luxuries and the necessary things that was the issue. And some of us might give attention to certain unnecessary things. What does it mean to build his house? Because that can be quite ambiguous, you know? I need to build his house. So I'm just going to bring it down. And it might be more, but just some practical things. What does it mean to build his house? It's giving to those who are needy in this congregation. It's reaching out to others in this congregation. It's taking a meal. If you haven't given a meal to someone this year, <laughs> you've neglected his house. Because that's just a practical way of loving. There's people in your community we don't have to wait for a, a WhatsApp with a meal roster before something happens. We as body, we family. You should be looking out for the interest of others. And practically, that means to encourage them at times. Practically, it means to give them a meal. If you're a single guy, take some sandwiches to a family and just bless them with that. You know, some families eat seven breads. Seven loaves of bread a day. Some sandwiches would be a huge blessing. But don't, don't limit yourself. It's about obedience. It's about making yourself available and say, God, what can I do? Two week, uh, in this last week, Devin sent me a WhatsApp message. Just with a small encouragement. Nothing profound in it. Just a simple encouragement. And it meant so much to me. It meant so much to me. It's like, wow, someone actually thought of me. And they prayed. I really felt encouraged. And the scripture says, while it's called today, encourage one another. So how does it, what does it mean to build his house? It's to think of others in this congregation and not just your house. It's to encourage. It's to reach out. It's being at the meetings. <laughs> That's warfare. Being at meetings is sometimes warfare. It's, it's warfare. Because the enemy, um, there's a book by C.S. Lewis and then the, the um, demons and, and the I think it's a demons. They speak about how they can get the church lukewarm, how they can get the church ineffective. And they said, all we need to do is just get some of them isolated. That's it. Just get some of them not to come to the meet, not to be part, and then they'll be vulnerable. So sometimes it's the reason you need to be at church is just so you can 
stay in the fight. So the mom at the back, it's like, why do I remember when we at the season? It's like, why do I come to church? <laughs> I'm just basically in and out of the mom's room. And then the, I want to listen, but I can't listen because everyone's chatting and the kids are playing and I can't hear. So what's the point? What's the point? The point is that you're just there. You're a living stone that's been built into this house. And you just need to be there. And by doing that, you're actually warfaring. Amen. He's getting performance bonus. <laughs> <laughs> it's to give yourself to what the church values and prioritizes. The conference, it's a time where we can get apostolic input. I mean, Amre, what she shared here, he responded to that. That's putting the house of the Lord before your interest first. When you open up your home, it's putting his interest above yours. It's prioritizing him above your interest. It's serving here on a Sunday. It's serving during the week. It's just looking for opportunities to serve. It's spending time with God. Because if you're not spending time with them, you're not going to contribute. You're not going to share from that well. So building this house is actually just spending time with them. Testimony of where I had to do that one time. Um, a couple of years ago, I think the first iPad just came out. And when I saw the iPad, I'm like, oh, that's the answer to prayer. Because I travel a lot. Uh, that, I did a lot of camps back then at Bible school. And I always printed out my notes because I didn't like a laptop. Because it looks so formal when you've got a laptop here and you preach. And most pulpits are shoulder height. So when you have a laptop, you have a serious problem if you're my height. You know? So a laptop was always a no-go. Because it just... So. so I had to print paper. And sometimes you want to... It was a mission because sometimes you're not at a place where you can print something. And so when that, I'm like, oh, that would be wonderful. So I started saving for one. And I saved and I saved. And um, I think it was about six grand for an iPad then. And I saved and I got about four and a half grand. So I was close to that. And I saw the new one was coming out, going to be the same price. I'm like, and they said, don't buy the first one, buy the second one. I'm like, oh, perfect timing. And then a lady that we know well in the congregation, um, she was going to Russia. She still needed funds. So we prayed for the Sunday at church. And she was really trusting. And we knew her, so we knew that it wasn't hint, faith by hint, you know, Facebook. Still trusting God for 10 grand to go there, hallelujah. It wasn't like that. It was, we knew she was really trusting God to get to Russia. And um, she didn't have the funds. And in the Sunday service, I felt the Lord said, you need to give that money. I'm like, yo, that's been months of saving. Months, birthday money. So close, so close. Um, and, it, and it will be for a good cause. It will be to preach and for meetings. And, and, like, and so I felt like, okay, I'm not, I'm, before I ever think this, I'm going to respond and give it. That, that was, because it wasn't, the iPad would have been nice, but it wasn't necessity. It was a bit of a panel. So I'm like, God, I'm going to give that. Bless her for a trip to Russia. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> now, I wanted to say, a couple of weeks later, someone actually blessed me with the money to buy one, which was wonderful. But that's actually not the point of the story. The point was that God spoke. And then sometimes we need a sacrifice to put him first. It, it will require sacrifice. It will require sacrifice.
But God did come through amazingly, amazingly. And I was able to have it. So their sin was that they missed their mark, that they prioritized themselves rather than God and his house. They cared more for their own welfare than for the church. Once again, I want to stir our hearts, so I'm not going to qualify anything. So I'm sure you could tell me, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. But please hear the message of the Lord. Is that right? Um, God spoke, there's a call. We need to respond. God is a speaking God. When was the last time God spoke to you and did you obey? I mean, he's speaking to us as a congregation here. We need to heed. We need to respond as a congregation. But as an individual, when last did God speak to you about something specific and did you obey? And if not, I want to encourage you to obey. As in worship, he's a living God, a holy God. We need to obey him above all. He's God. He isn't Google. Google, you go to get answers. You know, like Banner. <laughs> when you did it, I thought, hey, <laughs> you set up. So you go to Google to get answers. And many times we go to God to get answers and a quick fix for Him to help us. But we've got to understand He's God. We've got to respond to Him. He doesn't respond to us. I don't type in and get a response from Him. But in relationship, it is there. But He's God. I respond to him. I respond to him. Because of my house which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house, it revealed their priority. And I want to ask, where's our priorities? Where's our priorities? As we embark on this new season, where's our priorities? For some, it needs to shift today. Some of us are okay. But let's be on watch for the temptation of the enemy. Okay, three more. These points are going to be quicker. Um, In conclusion, the call was to put God first. Jesus repeatedly teaches this. He says, seek first my kingdom and everything else will be added. Jesus' ministry is full of that. God God doesn't promise us luxury if we put him first, but he does promise that he'll take care of us. Okay, second point, second thing. There was a remnant. There was a people. A remnant means there's a people of God. Then Zerubbabel, son of that guy, um, Joshua, son of that guy, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed. They obeyed. The whole, not just the leader, not just the deacons, the whole remnant. The remnant means the people that left. The, the whole group of the people of God that responded. All of them responded again. The voice of the Lord the God and the message of the prophet of Haggai. Because the Lord the God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave his message to the, of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. He's with us. And that must be weighty, as Henry also shared last week. It's weighty. God is with us. The living God. And I think God set us up this morning. He is with us. There's a people of God. We are the people of God called for a time such as this. We've been called for Durbanville Pinest area in the season to come. We've been put together. In the book of Acts, every time people got saved, it says they were added. The people that got saved were added. The Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Um, believe in the Lord and they were added. You've been added to this household. The day you got saved, you didn't just respond to Jesus and he saved you from the pit of hell. 
He saved you from the pit of hell, but he also added you into his body, into his house. And every single person that gets saved also needs to be added. If you're not added, your salvation to some degree is lacking. Because he adds. Jesus went up, Holy Spirit came down, the first church were birthed, they went to go preach the gospel, and God saved and added. You've been added to this household. Some of you are visiting, and I believe God has brought you here to add you. Some of you got saved recently, God has saved you, and he's adding you to this household. God has added us, and if he's added us, we need to contribute here as living stones. The Bible says we are living stones being built in. The thing about a stone, it's present. (laughs) It's there. And by it being there, it actually supports others. And then it contributes to us. God has added us. So we are the people of God, and he's added us together. And thus, those that he's added here need to respond to him. Like the whole remnant responded there, so we all need to respond. God has added you to this house. You will shine your light at your work, in the social environments that you are. You need to shine your light and you need to show Jesus. But you do that from a place of being added. And I want to ask you, the first one had a question, this point has a question. Are you still added? Or are you simply a member on a list? Are you added? Are you contributing? Are you present at community? Are you giving of yourself? Are you receiving? Are you added? Because God adds. God adds. Are you added? And some of you, today there would be an invitation for you to be added to this household. If the Lord has added you here, then give yourself. Then give yourself. Um... It says here that the spirit of the whole, um, the Lord stirred the spirit of the leaders and then the spirit of the whole remnant. God wants to stir all of our hearts, not just the leaders. The third thing that I saw from the prophetic word. So there was a call, there was a people, a remnant, and then there was an excuse. There was an excuse. Um, This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come. To rebuild the house of the Lord. You see, Satan won't tell the people, stop it. You're doing an evil work or just leave the work. He went in subtle and he said, you should do it. Just do it a bit later. Just do it a bit later. I've heard many times people say, I'm not sure, if, I'm not sure if the time is right. Some of the young people in the year need to respond to the call of God and need to respond to God. I'm like, ah. One day when the time is right, I will respond. The time is now. The time is now. Some people hear, oh, and I know God has called me to give more to the church, but I'm not sure about the time, timing. I'm not sure if the time is right. This is going on in my life. I know God has called me, but I don't have capacity right now. If God has called, he'll give you the capacity. Otherwise, we minimize God and put him under our capacity. So our capacity is a name higher above every other name. Our capacity needs to become under his name. There's times where we can't. And then God's grace is in that as well. But there's times where we say, God, I don't have the capacity. It feels like the time has not yet come, but I'm going to trust you. This excuse was a lack of trust. Do you trust the Lord?
as he's calling us, when you heard that he's calling us to more, to give ourselves more, did you immediately go, I'm not so sure. Or do you trust the Lord and say, God, whatever you call me, I'll obey, because I know you'll give me the strength. There's a couple, Joe and Petri. They're not here. Petri's here at the back. A wonderful example. And Petra almost died earlier this year. Family of three, little ones. Little one of about two years old. I mean, her husband was trying to get the one to sleep and then praying, asking God, God, will I see my wife again? That's how, that's how real their circumstances was. In that time, he preached probably one of the best sermons in this congregation. He gave himself. We asked him to take a break from community leading because, you know, sometimes God doesn't want you to push yourself further than what he expects. And they, they he stepped back for a bit. But even in that, he never stopped giving himself to the house of the Lord. They loved people. They served people. They gave. They gave him himself even in that. They're still doing I, mean, that's, I thought to myself, if there's one couple with an excuse this year, <laughs> one of the few couples that has a legitimate excuse against them, but they haven't ex- complained once. They just gave of themselves. And I know there's other couples here as well. Ed and Di, amazing people. They're just prioritizing that despite their circumstances. I can go through this place. But let's be encouraged by that example. They had an excuse. Let's not make sure. Let's make sure we don't have an excuse, but let's trust our God. The last point, and we're ending with this. So there was a call, there's a remnant, there's an excuse, and there was. And the reason I felt to emphasize the excuse is that we'll be tested in that if we aren't already. And then lastly, there was their hearts. In the second chapter, there's only two chapters in the book, it says the people of this nation in my sight declares the Lord, whatever they do, whatever they offer, there is defiled. I struck all the work of their hands with blight, mildew, and hell, um, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. So they were building the house of the Lord at this stage. They were giving themselves to their work, but their hearts weren't consecrated. Their hearts weren't in it. And this could be another area of temptation for us if we don't guard our hearts. Is that we give ourselves to the building of the house of the Lord, but our hearts aren't in it. Our devotion to the Lord isn't there. We're simply doing out of duty. And the Lord wants to warn us that as we do this, let's continue to do it out of a place of intimacy and not of a place of duty. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Paul writes, and he writes this to the church, not to one or two guys. He writes this to the whole congregation, the whole remnant. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves. What? Fully. Fully. To the work of the Lord. They weren't surfers. Okay? They weren't like, fully. It wasn't that type of fully. It was wholeheartedly give yourself to the work of of the Lord, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly give yourself to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 
I just want to stress this again, because I do believe this is a weighty word from the Lord. Remember our God is great and awesome. If you're worrying about your capacity, how will it look? Trust the Lord. He will not require more from you than what you can give. A bruised reed will not break. And if you're feeling empty and pup, all you need to do is go to him and say, Lord, here I am. What do you expect from me? Just do that. I'm not getting performance bonus if you do, but I want you to prosper. Um, why? Because I believe God wants to pour out his glory in this house. This house. That the glory in this present house will be greater than the former. This was a word for them, but it was also a prophetic picture of Jesus coming into his church and the church being born. And this temple will be glory, way more, carry way more of the Lord's glory than what that temple did. Um, Bramwell, um, uh, Bramwell, who's Bramwell? <laughs> I cut, I didn't cut the whole thing. <laughs> William Booth started Salvation Army. Bramwell was his son. And Bramwell showed his dad a newspaper um, attack on them. Bramwell, 50 years hence, it will matter very little indeed how these people treat us. It will matter a great deal how we dealt with the work of the Lord. I cut that a lot. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but what they, they were reading, they were sitting at breakfast and... Um, the son said to his dad, look at this attack on us in the newspaper. And then the dad said, in 50 years' time, it won't matter what they thought of us. It will matter what we did for the Lord. In 50 years from now, when we pray in some of our grandchildren as elders in that house, when some people lead congregations in the nations that got saved in six months' time in that house, that will matter a great deal. Not what we do to our physical homes. What investments. None of that stuff is wrong. Just but what will matter is the things of eternal value. David Pawson summarized the book of Haggai like this. Life is not about staying alive or making a living, but about living right and living for God.